This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Daily. I am your host, Mac Kanata, and what a sobering, humbling, embarrassing Sunday it was for the Miami Dolphins. There is a lot to unpack from their embarrassing blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And while at the end of the day, for all intents and purposes, based on the mandate from owner Stephen Ross, based on the roster construction from General Manager Chris Greer and Head Coach Brian Flores. The mandate was to lose and lose a lot this year to put the Dolphins in position for the number one pick in the 2020 NFL Draft so they can select their quarterback of choice. And all offseason, many fans were quite aware of this. And it became even more apparent when the Dolphins traded away Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. And then it was further confirmed as the Dolphins shed players from their roster, such as John Denny, such as Nate Orchard about a week before the NFL's uh, regular season opener. All of that combined clearly states the Dolphins are, for all intents and purposes, tanking. And I know that's not the right word to use. You know, they're losing organically. But there are consequences to this. And the Dolphins roster is so stripped down at this point that there was a report from Pro Football Talk following the game that multiple players had contacted their agents and have started to request to be traded from the team. I'll touch on that in a few minutes, but let's just go back to the game. And I think that a lot of fans are upset 
Not that the Dolphins lost. I think everybody who is looking at this from a realistic perspective, right, understands that the Dolphins are not going to win a lot of games this year. But I think what fans are most disappointed in is that this team didn't even compete. This team was outcoached, outplayed, outschemed, out everything from the very first play of the game. Mark Ingram with about a 50-yard run and a simple handoff right over the right guard. Those kind of runs are called to get a few yards and to keep the uh, script moving in the right direction with a positive play. Those plays are not called to break a 50-yard run. So already there. And then I believe it was the next play or, or the two plays after. Lamar Jackson hits Marquise Brown. Touchdown, Baltimore. And from there, it was all downhill. The All-22 will come out on Tuesday, uh, and I will be watching the All-22. I will be going through this and making myself miserable. Not because of the fact that, you know, I need to see what the Dolphins can do better to to compete. I'm not going to say win because I don't think there's a lot of victories in the Dolphins' future. But I think fans want a competitive product on the field. I don't think we want to see... I know we don't want to see the Dolphins getting blown out from the very first play of the game. I I honestly thought, because the Ravens had zero tape on Chad O'Shea, because they had zero tape on Brian Flores, that this game would be close through halftime. And then I thought the adjustments would come from the Ravens' side or whatever, and then that's when they would break away. Boy, was I wrong on that. Immediately, from the very first play... It was evident that this team was not going to do well against the Ravens. And part of me, you know, part of the uh, dumb fan, I guess, or part of the optimist in me thinks, okay, the Ravens have always whooped up on the Dolphins, regardless of who was head coach. Whether Tony Sperano in his first year with, with Chad Pennington and Chad Pennington throwing five interceptions in the playoff game. Or uh, Joe Philbin getting beat up by the Ravens, or Adam Gase getting beat up by the Ravens. It, it's just like you know, like the Patriots have the Steelers' number, the Ravens have the Dolphins' number, and like the Dolphins have the Chargers' number. It always seems, regardless of who, what, when, where, and why, it is what it is. And the Ravens play smash mouth football, and this Dolphins team is not prepared for smash mouth football at all. I think Brian Flores wants to get there. But Adam Gase was not a smash-mouth football type of guy. Neither was Joe Philbin. So when you look at the roster construction over the past several years, this roster was not built to play that kind of style of football. It was built as a finesse-type squad, fast players and you know shifty guys who can get in and out of breaks quickly and so forth. So the Dolphins have their work cut out for them if they want to transform this team into that direction. So part of me feels like, okay... It's the Ravens. Another part of me is like, oof. If this continues, if this blowout stuff kind of continues, the narrative is not going to be around tanking. I think everybody can understand tanking, and everyone is okay with that in terms of, you know, what what it means for the future of the Dolphins and how you need to experience the pain this year 
in order to see success in future years. But I think the narrative will shift if the Dolphins continue to get blown out to not are the Dolphins doing it right by tanking, but do they have the right people in place to turn this into a vision? And that's when you question Brian Flores and his coaching staff. That's when you question Chris Greer. Unless the mandate was to make this team so bad that you are guaranteed the first pick in the NFL draft. And that could very well have been it from Stephen Ross. If Stephen Ross said to Chris Greer, make this roster so bad that we cannot even have a remote chance of pulling off a win, then he succeeded in the owner's eyes. Do I believe that Stephen Ross said that? I don't know. He can get a little wild with his comments sometimes. And if the Dolphins really want their quarterback of choice in the 2020 NFL draft, they need to lose out. Maybe get a victory here. Get the locker room excited. Get the fans excited for that one victory. Make that your Super Bowl, which probably will come against the Patriots in week two. And then they'll lose the rest of the way. That's what always happens with the Patriots in Miami. But in all seriousness, you know, Tua, Tua's a junior. There's no guarantee he comes out in the 2020 NFL draft. Herbert has no choice. Jordan Love is a junior. He doesn't have to come out. So you don't know what's going to happen between now and the draft. God forbid one of these guys suffers an injury. You don't know. So to have that number one pick puts you in, obviously, the driver's seat to get whoever you want without trading away any draft picks. And if Dolphins fans can keep their eye on the prize, right, if we can sit here for the next 15 weeks and understand and sit down in front of the TV and understand that these Dolphins are not looking at anything this year and it's all about next year, it's going to be a lot easier to handle and digest this season. Sure, the fans are not going to show up at Hard Rock Stadium. I saw a video yesterday where fans were leaving in droves at halftime. These fans will smarten up. They're not going to waste their money on a bad product. That's why we want them to be competitive so we can at least enjoy the game a little bit. But it is what it is, right? Dolphins have seven more home games. I don't think Steven Ross is concerned about attendance in terms of is it going to affect future years because we all know that once the Dolphins get that new shiny toy in the 2020 NFL draft everyone will come back it's just how it works Dolphins fans have been coming back for many years new regimes new hope new dreams but we've been stuck in the same rut over and over and over again the only way to fix this, in my opinion, is the complete teardown, especially if you're trying to transition your roster to a whole different identity. It's hard to do that on the fly because then you get mishmashed players. You start going away from your prototypes to fit in certain areas on a team and you're just toiling away. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. When you look at the Dolphins' schedule, next week they'll host the Patriots. That's home game number two. They'll travel to Dallas, and they'll host the Chargers. That's home game number three. They'll host the Redskins. That's home game number four. So in the very early part of the season, and by the end of October, they will have hosted half their home games. That's when probably it's going to get really bare for Hard Rock Stadium. But they'll have the Jets, they'll have the Bills, they'll have the Eagles, and then they'll have the Bengals. The good thing for the Dolphins and Steven Ross is that they have a two-week stretch between the Eagles game and the Bengals game. And then they finish away on the road against New England. That's going to be a wild game. But, uh, you know, you look at the Bills, they travel well. That'll be a home game for the Bills, most likely. Jets travel well. The um, Eagles travel well. So, Stephen Ross will get his people in the stadium. He'll get the money. It'll be from the visiting teams. But Stephen Ross knows what's happening. The front office knows what's happening. They know they have a very bad roster. But again, fans are upset because they want competition. They want to see a competitive game. And the Dolphins did not get that. And I think fans are also upset because now it's starting to seep into their heads. Do we have the right people in place? And that's going to be an evaluation this year. It has to be. It has to be part of it. Stephen Ross gave them a five-year deal. Sure. But if at the end of year one, you think that this is not the guy, sorry, Ross, you need to cut the bait. And it's going to be okay because you've stripped the roster down so bad that whoever's coming in is most likely coming into a clean slate. So it's not a matter of, oh, my God, they wasted a whole year transitioning into a new system and so forth. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you bring in. They're going to be just fine with a treasure trove of draft picks and a clean slate to build their system the right way and to be able to do it very quickly. But it is my hope, obviously, that Brian Flores is the right guy for this job. We don't want to overreact over week one. We saw plenty of blowouts throughout the NFL in week one, including the Steelers getting blown out by the Patriots, the Falcons getting blown out, the Jaguars getting beat pretty bad, the Browns getting blown out, in fact, only one head coach, new head coach this season, was victorious. And that was head coach Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers. Vic Fangio goes tonight against the, um, the Raiders, so he may get his first win. But a rough day all around for first-time head coaches, first-year head coaches with their new teams. Because Adam Gase, for example, is not a first-time head coach. He, by the way, uh, choked that game away in typical Adam Gase fashion that we were all accustomed to here in Miami. It's going to be a long season, guys. And players are realizing this as well. And there is that report from Pro Football Talk, which I mentioned at the top of the show, that multiple players said they wanted out of Miami. 
I have no inside information on this. I was told not to believe what Pro Football Talk said. I think they are exaggerating the story a bit. When you say multiple, that could be as little as two. And when you think about the amount of Dolphins on this roster who had that kind of pool, it's very limited. Rashad Jones is the obvious one. My other guess is Kenyon Drake. Beyond that, I don't know anyone who might be requesting a trade out of Miami. I don't see it. Maybe Albert Wilson, I saw his name floating around. I also saw Minka Fitzpatrick's name floating around. Listen, Minka does not have that kind of pull yet. And if he thinks as a second-year player he has that kind of power to demand a trade, he needs to um, humble up a bit. But... Again, I don't think it's him. I talked to him in the locker room last year. Very smart, very humble. I understand he may be a little frustrated about his role, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to say, uh, trade me. I doubt it's Minka. He knows he's part of the long-term plan here in Miami, and he's smart enough to understand what's going on. But guys like Rashad and Kenyon Drake... They're not in a long-term plan here in Miami. Kenyon Drake didn't touch the ball till deep in, deep into the first half. I can't remember exactly one off the top of my head, but he wasn't in the starting lineup, and he wasn't in for the first several series of the game. And he was the subject of trade discussions last year as the Dolphins headed towards the trade deadline. His name was floated around in the offseason, as was Rashad Jones. He was also floated around at the trade deadline last year. And I believe that we will see Kenyon Drake and Rashad Jones traded at some point this season. It just makes too much sense not to. Because if you're really not going to have them here next year, which I don't believe they are, then there is no point in just getting nothing from them. So I think the Dolphins get probably a fifth round pick or so for these guys, maybe a sixth, and continue to load up their treasure trove of draft picks. I think the Dolphins kept Kenyon Drake on the roster because they wanted to ensure that Kalen Balaj and others can really handle the kind of workload and have Drake as a fallback option before really committing to moving on from him. But with this offensive line, you're not going to get much evaluation on any kind of running back. And then with Rashad Jones, I mean, just an older player kind of getting up there in age a little bit in terms of football age. God knows, not real-life age. But he is not in the long-term plans for the Dolphins either. And although the Dolphins told him that he won't be traded this season, all it takes is a few losses like this. And Rashad will have a talk with management. He will respectfully request a trade or release. And the Dolphins would most likely grant that, as I assume what happened with John Denny where he said he did not want to be a part of this rebuilding, especially at his age. There's really no sense in him to really stick around for that, especially when this process is going to take two or three years to start seeing results, good results. But again, keep your eye on the prize, folks. We saw Kyler Murray struggle for the first three against Detroit and then turn it up a notch. And he looked electric in that fourth quarter. He was hitting bombs. He was hitting guys in stride. 
And it was exciting to watch. And even though that game ended in a tie, you could feel the energy through the TV from that stadium. And that's what the Dolphins are going to have next year. The Cardinals had one of the worst seasons in franchise history in terms of their head coach. Fired after one year. But they're back. You saw that stadium. It was packed yesterday. Because they have an electric quarterback. They have someone to hang their hat on. And that's what it's going to be up all about. No matter how much drama you hear this year. No matter how much stuff from the locker room that comes out. No matter how much players are upset. Relax. It's part of the process. People forget easily in the NFL. People move on quickly. Especially when you start putting the plan into action. Same thing with the Raiders. We saw the same reports from the Raiders. Multiple veterans wanted out. And if the veterans are wanting out, trade them. Trade them. Because they're not right for the rebuild. They're not right for the long-term plans. And they're probably not going to be here anyways. Get what you can for them and move on. All that talk drives clicks. All that talk drives interest in the newspapers. All of that talk, that doom and gloom talk, is good for the business side of the media. Not great to see when you're a fan, but good for the media side. Miami has the Patriots in week two. Antonio Brown makes his debut. Dolphins always play the Patriots tough. We're not expecting a win. No one's expecting a win. We want to see a competitive team. We want to see the Dolphins come out. We want to see Brian Flores and his coaching staff put a good game plan in place. I believe, and again, we have to watch the film, the All-22, but I believe they sold out to stop the run and make Lamar Jackson throw the ball. And boy, did he ever throw the ball for five touchdowns. Guy was just dropping bombs left and right. And based on his tape from last year, that wasn't a terrible game plan. But he's had a whole offseason, 324 yards throwing. He's had a whole offseason to get better. And there are reports in the offseason that he did improve his accuracy. And now we see that. So, again, goes both ways. Dolphins didn't have this year's tape on Lamar Jackson. And a good quarterback will beat you when you sell out to stop the run and not really focus on the pass. Brian Flores knows Tom Brady. Chad O'Shea knows Tom Brady. We should see a better team. We should see a better game plan coming in against the Patriots. They all know what to expect, as does the Patriots. So, on paper, this should be a competitive game, just based on what each team knows about each other. Realistically, that remains to be seen. Get through this week. Read the papers. Read the blogs. Listen to the podcast. Not just this one, all of them. Take it all in. Embrace the process. Trust the process. Keep your eye on the prize. Because when this season ends, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. As the combine ramps up, as free agency ramps up, as the draft season ramps up. And we will be, the Dolphins will be, the talk of the town if they had that number one pick. Because they'll have their choice of quarterback. And they will be able to set this franchise in the right direction with that selection. Houts and Sun will be with you later this week with their individual episodes. We'll be back with you, I believe, on Thursday morning with a group episode of Finsider Radio as we look ahead to week two and continue to talk about the biggest storylines from this week. 
For now, that's going to do it for me here on Finsider Daily. I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Cause we're the Miami Dolphins